so we are busy with our sermon series called Love That Heals the Pain. And uh, just part of our, our year theme, love, being rooted and grounded in love. So we in a four-year process, we, we started by just an introduction two years ago, talking about being um, uh, God's presence everywhere we go and the glory of God, exhibiting God's glory. And then how do we do it is we take our faith and we take our love and hope to this broken world. So um, because of Christ in us, we have faith. Because of Christ, we have God's love in us. Because of Christ in us, we have hope to take through this world. And so last year we talked about the faith. What's your story about faith? Why do you believe? This year we're talking about love. Um, how do we take love? And this year we divided it into three, three parts. Where We said the first part of the year we talked about God's love for us. Really starting a process to discover, and you will never stop this process because you can always discover more about God's love for your life. And just starting this process of discovering the, the, the love of God for us and really understanding that there's nothing in this world, nothing that you can do, that you've done or can do, no, nothing that can play into your life that will ever separate you from the love of Christ. And this is something really to comprehend because if you understand this, you get to a place in your life where you can start giving out this love. It becomes this fountain of love just pouring out of your life. But you have to, you have to grow into this understanding of God's love for you and understand that he, when he looks at you, he sees the value in you. When he looks at you, he's excited about your future. He sees your potential. We almost always, you know, so many people think that when God looks at me, if he has to enter in you now and spend time with you, you would be, a lot of people would say, I won't be comfortable because he's going to see all the mistakes I've made in my life. He's going to see all the faults and failures. I want to tell you something this morning. When God comes in here, if you have to be with him in person, he would love to spend time with you, acknowledging, affirming you, and say, listen, you look what is ahead. Look at your future. I'm with you in it. And that's something you have to discover. This is the God that we serve. It's the God that loves us. And then the second part of the year, or the middle part of the year, we talked about love for one another, especially in, um, for us as a spiritual family. How do we love one another? Obviously, getting the source from the love of God for us, for me. I can love people around me. And then this part of the year, we're talking about love that heals the pain. We will look further out. We look further in our community, in our city, and say, God, what is the brokenness and the pain, the lostness, and how can we love into certain areas, bringing your love into that areas where we see pain evident in our city? So there was one scripture, really, that for us as a whole ministry, Doxodan Ministries, really so important and basically for us something of a drive um, that drives us and gives us zeal to actually go out and be a missional community, a missional church, not just enjoying Sundays like this this morning. We had an incredible time of worship, but it cannot stay here. We have to take it out. We have to take this experience and this love that we experience in times of worship. We have to take it out. But Listen to the scripture in Ephesians. It says the church is Christ's body. So just to stop you, the church is not a building. It's us. It's you and me. 
We know this. It's not a building. And I know in, in the Old Testament, it was so focused about all about the temple. It was all about the building. That's where you could find the presence of God. But we know that Jesus, when he died, the curtain was torn in two. And now there's open access to the presence of God. It's not caught up in a space or place, but it's now open for all of us. And God made residence in your life through the Holy Spirit. So now he's living inside of you. Here where you sit now, he's inside of you in your spirit, in your heart. And his presence, where he is, his presence is. Am I right? So his presence is in us. So he says the church is Christ's body. It's the the body of people, the, the collective, the ecclesia church in which he speaks and acts. So God wants to act here. He wants to speak to you today where we get together. But it goes further than that. It says, and we love this moment. Am I right? We love it when God ministers to us. And when God, when God acts and when he speaks to you, when you stand in a time of worship and you experience God says something to you, it's amazing. It's amazing. You feel just so amped up and you want to do a lot of things. But then it says, by which this collective, this church, this body of Christ, is the mechanism or the body that by which he will fill everything with his presence. Because it's the presence of God that changes things in our lives. Am I right? It's the presence of God that heals. It's the pre- in the presence of God that we find truth. And by which he fills everything with his presence. And this is what we say with this whole four-year focus of exhibiting God's glory. Is to understand that we are exhibiting this presence, this glory. Because God's glory is his power, is his love, it's his presence, it's everything that he is, that makes up God who he is. He's, he's all-powerful nature. And now Jesus prays this incredible prayer in John 17. And he says, Lord God, he prays to the Father and says, The glory which you have given me, I am. This other scripture also says, if you want to see the glory of God, you must look at the Son, Jesus Christ. So everything of God's glory, if you want to see the glory of God, look at Jesus and everything he was and that he did. Now Jesus prays and he says, Father, the glory which you have given me, I now give it to them, to you and to me. It's a revelation. Is that we become now the representatives. We become the carriers of the glory, the opinion and the presence of God wherever we go and we fill everything where we go with his presence so when you go into your home and your family when you go into your workplace you become a carrier and a representative um, of the presence of God where you go people pick up something of the presence of God and we need to understand this because Christianity is not just about just a conviction and the declaration of saying, I am a Christian. That's a problem with the church today. That's a problem with the institutional church that we see. And why people are so negative when the word church or the term church comes up. It's like, oh goodness, this again. It's because we are not living out what we should live out. We are not the carriers. We struggle to be the carriers. Of the presence of God. Now for this to really make it practical. We in Noxodeo said as leadership. We said we need to ask God. God how can we be 
your presence? How does it look like for an individual to be the, the, the carrier of your presence? And we identified three terms or three aspects where we say, if we can understand this and make it practical in your own life, this can help us to make an impact where we go. The first one is a faithful presence. This is, we are who we say we are. It's being faithful to what we say we believe and who we say we are. If you say you're a Christian, live it. Let your life reflect that what you say you believe in. Because that's also one thing that we struggle with as a church sometimes, is we say we are a Christian. And the, when the Bible talks about followers, or actually not even Christian, the word Christian was really only found out decades after Jesus actually was on earth. So they were all talking about the way, the followers of Jesus Christ, the way people who believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That uh, was how the church started, was because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everyone believed it. And people who said, we are followers, we are part of the way, they were faithful to this, what they believe. Their life spoke about what they say, what they believe. And that's how the church grew. And now we can be here today. So with something of a faithful presence, and we need to be faithful to, to this, what we say we believe, because that is something that we, that, we, that we live over and we bring it over across when we live our lives. We become this presence, a faithful presence. And then we talk about a father in presence, the awareness of the pain. You know, it's a father is someone that's aware of things. So awareness of the pain. And then thirdly, fruitful presence is where we say, let's address. That's the action. We want to see the fruit of what we do. Now, last week you talk, we talked about the faithful presence. You can access our, um, uh, our sermons on Spotify if you want to listen to that again. But today we're going we're gonna to spend some time on the fathering presence. The fathering presence. This is where we say that we want to be aware as church, as the body of Christ. We cannot just say that we, we believe in Jesus and just go on with our lives. You know, Sunday, it's a great time. But now what now? No, during the week, in our life, normal, 24-7, day-to-day life, I think there's something of a responsibility on us to be aware because Jesus said that we are co-workers in Christ. We, we're going to do something of, we're going to do work in his kingdom. Um, it's not just a being, it's also a working, it's a doing. And, and, and to understand that there's so much pain, not just within uh, in the body, but also outside of the church, is how do we address that? How do we do something about it? Because that's what Jesus did when he was here on earth. He did something about the brokenness and the pain. Who's going to do it now? <laughs> is the Holy Spirit within us, and we are sent out to do it. And so something of a fathering presence, as you grow in your relationship with God, and as you mature, in 1 John uh, 3, it talks about... Um, He's writing to the young, to the children and the young men and the fathers. There's something of a progressive um, growing into your relationship with God that you start out as this kid, this child, and there's a certain way of doing things. And then you grow into this young man. And then he says, then you get to the place of a father. Become a father. Now, I want to tell you this this morning. We're talking about fathering, a father, fatherhood. It's such an important thing. In this world today, 
research shows that one of the main issues today, if they look at society, and they did some research years back, talking about looking at people today and the pain that they experience, maybe maybe depression, anxiety, suicide, a lot of that stuff. And then one of the things, one of the common factors of those people that they did research on was the fact that there was no father in the house. That's only one of, um, that's not the only one, but one of the common things was there was no father figure in the house. And I want to tell you this morning that there's something that we should understand about the concept of fathering. Now, you can be a woman and be a father. Okay, I'm going to show you now. <laughs> it's actually just a spirit. It's just a, a way of seeing things. A spirit. You can be a spiritual father. It's something of the function of a father. Now, I know, maybe some of us sit here today, and if you think about your dad, the father in your house, you don't have any positive maybe picture of that maybe you feel a lot of pain when you think today about your dad your father maybe he wasn't there maybe he wasn't present maybe you sit here today and you've got the incredible story about your father so we've got different uh, backgrounds in terms of that but I want to tell you it doesn't matter if you had a great father or a bad father it cannot take away the significance and the effectiveness of what fatherhood needs to be in this world the, the, the function of fathering is something that is needed. Some people represent it well, some doesn't. So we have to ask the question, it's like marriage. Some people have a really bad experience about marriage or a good one. And then some people say, I don't believe in marriage. But listen, yeah, that's not if you believe in it or not. That's God's idea for the best place of relationship is marriage. And we cannot take that away. That is something that God created. Fathering is something that God created for a purpose. And, and it's so important when we ask the question, even in a spiritual sense, is how do we think about this fathering? Because if we follow Christ, I believe there's something of a fathering role spiritually that we can play as the body of Christ wherever we go. Now, just thinking about fathering, fathering i think there's i did some research there's actually this guy um that uh, wrote a, a whole a course they call it um the world needs a father um it's incredible we're actually going to uh, use some of those resources next year um, with courses and stuff because we're going to go into the homes next year and talk to the dads because i think really there's something needed there but all right talking about fathering the the the, the purpose of fathering actually builds, uh, well, this is only four things that I really wrote down. Now, there can be more, but establishes something of authority. A father has a role in that. In a child's life, just to understand that I have authority over my life and I have authority when there's difficult times, there's something of authority in my life to speak over that and get over that. A father has a significant role in helping you to understand and establish Something of authority. It converse, um, converse um, identity. Your father, the fathering role, is critical for establishing something of your identity, who you are. Provides security and affirms potential. You just think this is all stuff that we need in life today. Maybe this is missing today in life, in society. 
We struggle with identity. We struggle with security and potential and understanding our potential and believing in our potential. Why? Because we don't have a fathering, functioning role in society today. And it's amazing if a father can do this. It's amazing. But there's one thing that's needed for a father to be able to see this happening. And this is the concept, awareness. You have to be aware when it's time to trust God to build into a child's life in terms of authority or to build into a child's life in this area or this phase of their lives in terms of identity or being aware, okay, listen, this child of mine needs to hear that I affirm his potential. You need to be aware. Now, I've got three kids and uh, it's always amazing when we sit as parents and uh, me and Karen and then we say, you know, maybe we just have just, I think we need to check the, little, the middle one. Just check it, you know, just check where he is in life. Maybe we just need to invest in this area or maybe the little one or maybe now that's the older one, you know. So you're always being aware of where they are in their lives and asking God, God, we don't always have the, the answers <laughs> of parenting, but we are aware of where the pain may be or where the, the brokenness may be or where the need may, may be. Something of an awareness is so important in our lives. And this morning, we want to ask the same question, taking this to your spiritual life, taking it to your life. And when you say, God, I want to make a difference in this life. I don't want to just be someone of success, but be someone of significance. This is our desire. You get to a stage of your life where you ask the question, you know, it's not worth it just to, you know, chase after money and all this stuff and success. And, but you get to a place where you ask, what, what's the meaning? What does my life mean? What can I do? What can I mean for someone else? What's the value of my life? And this is where we get to understand, God, you call us to be your, uh, this fathering presence in the city where we are. And we've got this amazing, amazing opportunity to, um, to co-mission with Jesus. And to say, God, help us, show us where we can do this and where we can make a difference. Now, um, I want to call up Samin this morning. With me, we're going to have a type of an interview this morning with just a nice conversation. And uh, <clears throat> so just to give you some context... Um, maybe just let's give a great hand welcome this morning. Yes. So in Doxadeo, we always ask the question in terms of the sectors of society, because where do we go to? Where do we make the difference? And we've identified uh, eight sectors of society, uh, um, talk about education and sport and media and business and church and uh, one of them are also social services or social <laughs> society and asking the question how can the church the body of Christ come closer to these sectors and really just be there being aware where there's need being aware where there's pain and how can we contribute to that as the church um, and now, um, Samin um, and, and her family is part of our church for the past few years. 
And um, just, we had a lot of discussions over the years, and it's amazing just the journey that God is taking them on, and specifically in addressing the pain that we experience in our community now. And uh, we just want to celebrate your story and hear your story this morning. And also in that, ask God, how can we make this practical, maybe for us here sitting here, to get involved and start making small contributions um, in terms of places where there is pain and brokenness and need in our community. Um, because this is who we are. This is the word that God gave Doxodeo, is to affect a city and engage a community and make a difference. We need to take it in, on mission. We are a family on mission. This is what we say. So, Samin, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and just your story. Yeah, share with us. Awesome. Um, okay, we... Um, where do I start? I have a husband who plays in the band. He's not here at the moment, but he's usually on the bass guitar, so you guys might recognize him. And then I have a seven-year-old boy and a three-year-old daughter. And um, we moved to New Zealand about six years ago, just over six years ago, and kind of felt lost when we got here. Um, my background in South Africa was we... Um, ended up in a very small town called Katu. I know there's a few people in the church who's from there. Yeah. And um, it's literally in the middle of the desert. <laughs> it's so hot there. Um, so we moved from big city to this tiny little town because my husband wanted to move there and I had nothing to do. And I ended up becoming a science teacher in a school um, with what would here probably be a decile one school, the, the people who've worked in the, in the education field here. Lots of abuse, lots of bad things happening, no services because we're in the middle of nowhere, so there's no nice place they can take the kids to. They just kind of tell them to stay where they are and don't ruffle feathers. Um, and there I kind of got exposed to the pain our kids are going through. Um, and then from there, we kind of had a five-year plan, and just over four years, we got the calling to come to New Zealand. So I moved with a nine-month-old baby, um, yeah, left a big, Katsusa special place, big family there, and came to New Zealand, and I was like, okay, what am I doing here now? My husband's an accountant, so he always has a job wherever he goes, and felt a bit lost for a while, and then got very curious about New Zealand, because I felt the culture's different. My um, son would be coming home from daycare telling me stories about how Maui did stuff and all these weird things I don't know anything about. Um, so out of my curiosity and um, being blessed during the COVID lockdowns, I had a, my second baby was a COVID baby, so we call them COVID babies. She was born a month into the first lockdown and went through the whole pain of grandma being stuck in South Africa, not being able to meet baby and um, kind of got a bit curious again and kind of trying to find myself again and came across a certificate I could study which they call bicultural social services through a, it's kind of like a uni tech it's called Te Wananga Aotearoa so it's run by Maoris it's all about the Maori culture um, yeah and kind of got curious about the culture there I met a lot of different people and this door opened up to a world of support work and support work is 
in many different sectors. So in the health sector, the mental health sector, and I ended up working in an emergency teenage house where they take teenagers who are in foster care and they placed in this house. So it's a beautiful four-bedroom home um, and they have staff. So we're 2-2 two, two on shift and we look after these teenagers who nobody essentially wants. Um, they have very big behaviours and got exposed to this really deep, deep, painful world. Um, didn't understand always why I ended up there, but went everywhere. So there was a lot of reasons not to do this. Um, the work was shift work, and we had night shifts where I had to stay awake. You're not allowed to sleep, just because the kids usually get in, up to mischief in the night. And um, I had a, I was like trying to figure out how old Anya was. She was about 18 months old when I started doing the shift work. And Anthony, who is a manager at a company, doing school drop-offs and coming late for work because I'm not back from work yet, and being severely sleep-deprived, no one in our friend circle kind of understood why we were doing this. Um, and I just felt this overwhelming love towards these kids. And as I was working there, um, I realized they don't know love. And they, like, literally no one has ever loved them, especially the kids who we worked with um, who had, I don't want to say they're bad kids, but, you know, they're, like, bordering going to jail. So everything they do, they kind of expect a bad behavior from someone. And I remember my first shift, there was a girl, she was 16, and she popped her, her um, patella kind of like, but it's... Later on, I realized everyone thought she's just a hypochondriac and it's not really sore, but I immediately jumped and I got an ice pack and I put a foot up on a stool and kind of like put the ice pack on and she stood up and she threw me with the ice pack and she started swearing at me and just ran off to her room and I stood there, I was like, what just happened? Um, and it's the caring. It's that for months she's been in this house and everyone just shrugs it off. And like I realized it's a very small things which we as human beings supposedly but definitely as Christians um, would do to show love and these kids being so closed towards love and I worked, walked a journey with this specific child where for years she hasn't allowed anyone to touch her um, and I got to a point she locked herself in her bedroom for two weeks and didn't eat anything didn't drink anything and I was the only person who was allowed to go in and I would put like up and goes on her bedstand or just go in and rub her head um, and I really started loving that child and she started loving me back as well and I had to quit my job because it became too much for my family um, also for my health it wasn't really good not sleeping <laughs> and then not having a baby not sleep as well um, and then went to go work at my daughter's ECE for a little bit. And then God opened these doors and told me, I have to go study so I can make a difference. Because I stepped into this broken world. It's like, what can I do? Like, how can I change things? Um, and I got enrolled. Um, I'm currently doing my master's in social work. And in this master's in social work, you have to do field placement hours. Um, which for us South Africans is a lot like your Zoom. Here. You have to go do practical work. They don't pay you. And I was like, okay, I have to go do practical work. And God told me, go back to this house. And I was like, oh, my 
we've done this, we've done, you know, it doesn't work. Um, and went back to this house essentially to start my field placement hours. And a week before I started working there, a new girl came into the house. And the old girl that I loved wasn't in the house anymore. And kind of went in with a cold heart. I was like, I'm not going to love anyone again because this really hurts and you can't, you can't help them um, in the way that you want to. And in this new job, in this new going in there again, I cried so much because the kids' stories become overwhelming. You love them. You're not allowed to do certain things because policy stops it. Um, and... I remember sitting one night shift, I sat outside on the patio with one of the girls next to me, just bawling my eyes out and going, you know, I really don't want to be here. don't want to come back here because I can feel your hurt and I don't know how to fix it. Um, and in this moment, God told me to take this girl home. And I was like, oh, really? She's 16 years old. I was three old and a seven-year-old. Um, and... Yeah, so she's moving in on the 24th of November after months of um, going through applications and stuff. And then I had to quit my job there, so I couldn't do my placement hours there because now I'm taking this girl home, so I'm breaking, like, breaking, like, all the policies and everyone is not everyone's favourite person, to be honest. Um, and ended up at a company, Open Home Foundation, which is kind of where my and Jack's missions and our church's mission is kind of into, intertwined. And God gave me a team to help me do what I can't do. And essentially, our team needs the church in such a clear way. And um, they've been trying for years to get churches on board and get people active because we're working with God's children. And essentially, if they're God's children, then they're our children. Um, so yeah, me and Chuck have many have had many conversations about, you know, how we bring these worlds together, and we have really exciting things we want to bring to you guys. Um, but that's kind of who I am. I just want to ask a question because um, you also mentioned in the first service that that you've got a lot of qualifications in a certain. Oh. What did you study firstly? So um, back in South Africa, I studied psychology and physiology and then did my postgrad in um, neurophysiology um, and worked as a teacher, an unqualified teacher, but I knew a lot about science. <laughs> so I kind of were like, oh, let's give the science kids to you. Um, and coming here, I couldn't do anything with those qualifications. New Zealand was like, oh, you know, you're not really, don't have any experience. I think a lot of us have gone through that. And that's why I stepped, so, so my degree is essentially a level eight, and I stepped back, the certificate I did was a level four. Um, and that very, very simple level four opened doors to me I could never have imagined. Um, and I really had to humble myself and go, oh, really, when we go work here now, like this wasn't the, the idea I had in my head. Um, but yeah, and now where I'm now, so my master's is again level nine, is how that has opened doors to me working with Open Home Foundation, which I couldn't have done on my level four. Um, but none of that was my idea. All of that was just, I applied for this master's, it's an applied master, so I didn't study social work and had to write extensive motivational letters. And um, 
but by the grace of God, got accepted <laughs> to this course, to be honest. Um, and just learning so much and just really excited. What stood out for me with your story as we had discussions is that um, you had qualifications in a certain area, and but you really experienced this calling that God called you to this social environment um, and you felt that I'm not qualified for this, I'm qualified for something else. And I was just reminded again on that quote that says, God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And there's something maybe for us today, because you may sit here and say, but God, I want to help somewhere, but I don't feel qualified. And the thing is, is that all of us, part of his kingdom, we are, we are called to do something. There's a calling on your life. You don't have to have a qualification. I think it's amazing that you qualify yourself because you're in that area, in that, uh, in that, in that uh, specific sector. But um, for us to start making a difference, because you, that was also a personal thing in your life of getting involved, God speaking to you. This is the area that he wants to use you. And I'm just, yeah, maybe you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, so I think... Um, I don't know if you've ever felt like God just convicting you around every single turn that this is where you have to go. And then you're like, mm, no, maybe not. It's a bit intimidating. I'm just going to go this way. And then you bring something again and he brings you back. And I think it's been six years of him going, you need to work in this foster care thing. Um, and for years... Well, just before, just before I found out I was pregnant with Anya, actually me and my husband Anthony went to an information evening to become foster parents and then found out I was pregnant and we were like, oh, we're not going to do this. And every time I'm like, yeah, God, I can see your, your um, what's mile ball? Mile, your goal. Like I can see where you want to go, but I'm not quite ready and we're going we're gonna to get there eventually. Um, and I think he just... He just constantly brings you back through people and through things and through prayer. And I think my biggest thing was being curious as to why. Like, Anthony would go play a golf day with, like, the richest people in Auckland. And then there would be a lady talking about foster care, handing out books. And he would come home and he's like, oh, my gosh, here's another foster care thing for you. Like, it became a joke in our house, honestly, because... The weirdest ways God would just bring foster care. And it was a book about a lady who opened her own company here in Auckland, just telling her story of being a foster mom. Um, and just, you know, following that curiosity. Can I read my little piece? So I have a little piece that I wanted to read to you guys um, this morning. Because Jack's been asking me, how do you become aware of the pain? You know, like, how do we, how do we know where God wants us to go? And this morning I got silent before God and I was like, can you answer this? Because I don't really actually know. And he, I came across this little piece and it says, um, it says, it basically says, what I've been praying my whole life is, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I've always had that because I always felt this intense pain and I thought this comes directly this is this isn't my pain this is a pain you know God experiences and um to believe in that pain and to step into that pain we have to believe that God is the healer and he can carry that pain and then I came across Ephesians 2 verse 10 says 
He's created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, the work we had better be doing. And I feel like my whole life, God has, it was literally like tap me on the shoulder and go, uh-uh, back this way, like all the time. And he wants us to do the work he, he called you to do as a person. Your calling might not be my calling. Um, but he wants us to step into the pain and the brokenness because that's where he is. And he needs us to carry on his work. Um, I mean, us and the church especially are the hands and feet of God. And these kids, whichever pain field you, you step into, they need God's love. Um, and it's just such a big, it's just such a big conviction, and I'm so excited about everything that's coming. But yeah. So you've mentioned that you're now at Open Home Foundation. Um, uh, just, just maybe a share a little bit more about that. Okay. Um, so Open Home. So essentially, in New Zealand, you have kids that are in very bad houses, and then the government steps in and they take the kids away, and then they go into foster care, and then while they're on foster care. Um, People are supposed to work with the families and fix the problems that are there. And this is all very legal, very legal. And I've Open Home Foundation, who I work with, does all the legal bits, but they bring in God's love as well. And it's such an amazing, amazing place to be where in my previous job I felt like God's love was there, but I, I was never allowed to say it's God's love. The kids knew I was Christian, and um, they became curious as well. But it's so amazing to have a, a government entity working with these kids, placing kids in Christian homes, praying for Christian foster parents. Um, but we were little. I think out of all the foster care um, entities, we're probably the smallest one. And... Our people are getting burned out, people who are called to do this. And there's a big, big, big need for the church to support us. Um, and I feel I feel it's so called. Cool I feel like I stepped into there with where God wanted me to go and placed me in a church who me and Jock have been on this mission separately and then everything just started moving together and we were like this is so meant to be um so yeah so open home foundation essentially works with these kids who don't have homes trying to the, the idea is to put them back into their family homes which isn't always possible um but yeah just supporting and being there for them in the way God wants us to be yeah, so in my journey coming here to New Zealand, I had this dream that Doxadeo being here with this vision of affecting our and engaging our city and making an impact, asking God, where can we step into community and start making a difference? Because if you ask me, I'm not a guy just for Sunday service. We have to take it out. I always had this thing, Andreas will, will know two years back, I always say the, the church is too inside. <laughs> Afrikaans, die kerk is te binnen. It's too inside. We have to take it outside. And, uh, you know, we had some opportunities where we saw there was need. And then when people asked us, are you a church? We said, yes. No, we cannot accept help from a, from a re religious organization. And um, it's, it's just sad. Um, and so when we had discussions together, we, we, I just saw, again, something of the need and the pain. Not specifically starting with the kids, 
because they do their job. But obviously the, the foster parents, they've got 36 couples that are foster parents. And the question is, who supports them? Who gives support to those couples? And I said, well, we can do this. This is something that we as a church can do. And imagine you can adopt a foster couple <laughs> and, <laughs> and just ask God, you know, how can I connect on a weekly basis with this couple, you know, and just support and um, there's so what I want to say is in this next we thought it as a leadership to start a project that we will call uh, project foster support um, in partnership with open home to ask the questions how can we have four um, levels of engagement us as a church and how can we support then the need and the pain that they experience as a, an entity and um, so there will be, so next week you, please, you must be here. We're going to have some of the foster parents here. We're going to pray for them. They're going to share their testimonies. And we're just going to stand together as the church and pray for them and pray for Open Home and see how God will open up a partnership in the future of where we can in small, we start with small contributions um, and on this level. So it will be very intensive on level four and level one on a more, um, less simplistic way that you can get involved. Um, I just want to remind you, Mother Teresa said, not everyone will do great things, but everybody can do small things with great love. And that's something that we want to bring across today, is maybe there's something that you can do in your area of responsibility, where you are, in your church, in your community, in your home, in your work, where you can be aware of the pain or the brokenness in that area. And ask God, God, what's the contribution I can make? It may seem so small and insignificant for you, but I want to tell you, if you do it with great love, it can God can take that and make a great impact. I just remind you again, Mark 6. We got, where Jesus fed 6,000 people, 5,000 people. They had two fish and five loaves. That's what they had. That's the contribution. But God did a miracle with that. Because Jesus, and they, they distributed it with great love, compassion for the people that they saw. Um, so it means thank you so much for your story. We celebrate your story and what God is, the journey that you're on. And can we just give them a hand, God a hand, for what he's, he's doing in their lives. Yeah. So we really want to just include you in this journey forward. You know, we're going to have a time, the end of the year, we're going to bless um, those foster parents, maybe with a Christmas uh, appreciation gift or something. We'll send out an email this week, and next week we'll um, launch this new um, support uh, thing that we're going to start with Open Home. We're so excited about this. And please pray with us that God will use us and that God will open the doors for us and we will, this gap between the sectors, which you are now in the social services and the church, this gap is so, so big. We need to narrow this down and bring it closer and see that together we partner, we take hands and make an impact in our community. Amen? Amen. That is what God is calling us to do. All right. So let's pray together going to end off this service this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can be open to your word, be open to your calling over our lives. Lord, thank you that we can know this morning that all of us, we are called. We are in your kingdom. We are part of your family. And we are part of, when we are part of your family, Lord, we are called. We are called to do great things. 
we are called to commission with you and and do things lord good works that you have prepared for us long before our lives started lord you you know what you want to do in and through our lives lord and i just want to pray this morning that you will ignite a new uh, fire in every one of us and uh, our spirit lord to make a difference ignite bring a new zeal into our lives um, lord to see the pain and not just to go on with our lives and think someone else will will handle it lord but you that you want to use us there's something special in every one of us talents and gifts that you have entrusted us that we can start living out and give and start using that lord to make an impact wherever we go and i want to pray lord that this today is the, the kickoff of a new season the kickoff of a new awareness the church getting involved in social services lord and we partner together to see your kingdom come in those areas lord we pray for samin and her family thank you for their story their story is your glory and we trust lord that there will be many more um, in the time to come lord and uh, people that will will sign up to say we are here send us use us lord and we thank you for this in jesus name and everybody says